This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We thank God uh, for Jesus on today. We are yet, amen, walking through the Bible and going back to the basics. Amen. We have to do like the Bible does, reiterate things. We wonder why God reiterates things, why we forget sometimes. My God. And uh, if we don't use it, what happens? We tend to lose it. So let us go back to the basics of Christian living with this preaching and teaching series. And uh, today we're going forward. We began the year, broke into the new year. Amen. And uh, we were speaking on as led that we shall overcome evil by God's love. That's the only way we're going to do it. Love conquers evil. Amen. And I thank God for uh, discipleship in Jesus. And there are five gracious traits of Christian disciple makers. First, you have to be a disciple for a minute. Amen. And then God will groom you into being a, a disciple maker. Disciples have to walk through this earth in faith. And this is a fallen world. But God expects for us to have a holy lifestyle in this fallen world. That's why we spoke on holy living in a spiritually fallen world. Amen. So I thank God for the message on today. It's going to be based on three scriptures, a triune analysis forming one thesis. Galatians 5:16 starting there and go forward into more epistles, 2 Corinthians 10 and 2 Timothy 2. So Galatians 5:16 uh, will be in the King James version when you hear it. Uh, thank God for all of you. I felt the Spirit speaking about us being stationed in uh, a loyalty and be like a pillar, like this pillar holding up the wall. It, I thought we could knock it down and have free course for a full 100% uh, not having any blocked vision down here. <laughs> Amen. But um, I, I sought wise counsel, and he said, um, if you knock that beam down, your house will cave in. Amen. <laughs> Leave the beam alone. Thank you, Lord. So that's the only beam that should be in your eye. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're going to leave that alone. But um, thanking God, we got to be like that beam. We have to be loyal, station. Amen. No matter what. Thank God for the mangrove trees down on the shores of Florida. They have deep roots all entwined under the ground. Amen. And the branches are kind of lowish to the ground, a nice bush. It's a sturdy bush, a stable bush. And when the hurricane winds blow, a lot of times plants are washed all away, but the mangrove trees are standing there. Even the palm trees, the tall palm trees, have an ability 
to bend, amen, uh, to go with the force of the wind. Wherever the Holy Ghost bloweth, it blows right along, sways with it. <laughs> and the palm trees stay put. The stubborn ones get pulled up. My God. But isn't it like the devil to bring his little seeds of rebellion right on back, replant them again, <laughs> and they're coming back as wild as ever? <laughs> My God, but we need to be like those stable trees, my roots planted in the river of living water. Amen. Let us be stationed. No matter what storm of life comes, uh, whether it's popular and everybody's here or not so popular and we seemingly are obscure in somewhat of a Gilligan's Island. But you know what? God is yet God. Amen. And we have to, amen, be able to have that ability to be trusted by God. Amen. Can God trust you? Amen. We certainly can depend on him, but can he depend on us? So be dependable no matter what. Amen. Let's look at the scriptures. Just wanted to say I thank God for you. Amen. Galatians 5.16 uh, reads as thus, this I say then, walk in the spirit. Notice the capital S, Holy Ghost. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I know that's true by testimony. When my mind is uh, stayed on Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We stomping on the devil with each hallelujah and building up God's kingdom with every hallelujah at the same time. That's an all inclusive word. So I'm thankful Thanking God that the praise team sang that. Amen. And uh, we had to go back to the basics. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stay on Jesus. People forgot about that. Amen. Well, that old song. Y'all still singing the old song. You know what? That's the old landmark. And you need to not forget where the old landmark is. Amen. <laughs> thank you, Lord. So we thank God for Galatians 5.16. Thank God. And now we go to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. But I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, you know, we are mortals. We have a human body, right? We are not waging war according to the flesh, not according to psychology and biology and sociology. Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, it's not of this realm, but have divine power. See, it's from the Holy Ghost realm. Amen. The realm of agape, if you will. So, but, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds is how we think in our mind. What kind of mindset do you have? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That's the problem today. A lot of people have obedience that is not complete. They walk towards the light, but they don't want to go too much near it. Oh, that's a bit too much light. I want to retain my right to just hold on to a little more funkiness for a little while longer. <laughs> that's how we are living our life on, 
earth these days. We don't come to the light lest we be reproved. And we have church folk coming, but they're not all the way in a Holy Ghost rendezvous in the light. God will put you in that light and flip you over so that every part of you will get the light of exposure of Christ. Amen. He's going to strip you of your earthly garments so that all of your, amen, surface can be exposed to the light of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> then he's going to give you new garments. Uh, you come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. God will change your garments. Yes, he will. He's going to change you out, change you from the inside out. Yes, he will. Amen. Let's go to the third ver uh, uh, verse of scripture for this analysis. Second Timothy 2.15, reading from the King James Version. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Father God, we thank you for these scriptures. Bring the triunity into the light and give us understanding. As the thesis comes forth in this prophetic curriculum that you have established for us to go back to the basics of Christian living. Thank God. Amen. There is no question in this scriptural statement. Uh, true disciples must be disciplined by God's presence in their life. The problem today is folks don't want to come to the light of discipline. Therefore, you know what? God's presence is not in every place in their life. Jesus must be our all in all. All to Jesus, our surrender. We don't mind surrendering our head because we want to put one of them holy hats up there. You know? And, and fix our face with makeup conducive of those who may not look like a Jezebel. But there's a lot of Jezebel makeup nowadays, and uh, it's tolerable. So, amen. You can wear red and still go to heaven. It's all good. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if God ever said wearing red was going to send you to hell anyway. Amen. <laughs> but we see all kinds of things now that folks found some kind of freedom, whatever. And they're dressing all kinds of ways. Uh, my head belongs to God, but my hips belong to whatever the culture said is fashionable. So is the position and posture of my chest. And I will expose it the way I see fit, the way the culture has set for me to set it out. And I send my chest forth. My God, and uh, men are doing the same thing with these tight britches. Skin tight? My God, uh, people can't keep their minds stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, we got our mind on other things. My God, my God. But God is saying, don't study the body. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Don't study on how to have a more intellectual prowess than the other in, the, in Ecclesia. God is saying, study to show yourself approved unto God. See? And we are work folks who have committed ourselves unashamedly to God, that he can equip us with the true light of the, of the word of God, and we can rightly divide the word of truth, not falsehood, not traditions. Amen? Thank God. So we do have to have God's 
unadulterated presence in our life. Are there do's and don'ts to be considered? Yes. But in this message and in our series currently, uh, we will be focusing on what can be done more than what cannot be done. Amen. So this will give you a more proactive advantage. The Holy Ghost is speaking to us in this series. The message in the messages is that we develop a more prophetic, proactive mentality. We need to have uh, less uh, testimonies where we're saying, oops, we should not have done that. Oops, we should not have done this, you know. God wants us to be more proactive to avoid saying that. There are practical activities that we, we can all do to facilitate that development. To experience new growth in our relationship to God while combating against sinfulness, we all need to consider using the Heavenly Father's imperative, become the understudy of Jesus. That's what we're going to focus on today. What is it? Becoming the understudy of Jesus. Amen. Now, becoming the understudy of Jesus does not imply an act as in staged actions, but uh, it is a discipleship process divinely initiated, not initiated by our traditions, right? But it's going to be a gift from heaven, the gift of faith used by humble, prayerful, coachable souls. That's important. A lot of folks are not humble the way heaven would have it, right? Not prayerful the way heaven would have it. Uh, you got to be coachable, not just to get a position and then all of a sudden flip, flop, fly. I don't care if I die. I am in the untouchable zone. Nobody could tell me anything. This is why folks are sometimes going after the the tip top of the pyramid in, in Ecclesia. They don't want to be touched anymore. No one can shine a light on me. I'm going to shine a light on y'all. Are y'all following our traditions? You know, but we got to be coachable unto God. Amen. And we need to become true chosen disciples of Jesus. Not that Jesus will skip over you and pick this one, skip over you and pick that one. We can all be become choice disciples. Hear the vernacular of the grammar. Amen. I am a choice follower. Not that God picked on you so that he could get to me. But God loves all souls. He said all souls are mine. He invites everybody to the banquet eating table. Amen. But some of us do not uh, want to come the way God will have us come. So, yes, we need to become true disciples, followers of Jesus. Amen. And uh, there's a lot that we can do. Sometimes we look at the stuff that we can't do. But let's look at all the myriad selection of things that we can do. It's a process of engagement, things that we can do, as opposed to the process of abstinence in things that we cannot do. The word engagement is not a term of endearment in the case of this message, uh, because the divine tools associated with it will help one to fight the what? Good fight of faith. Amen. 
and we got to think in military terms. And as the military forces must use disciplined discretion when it comes to certain rules of war, in other words, rules of engagement, that's what the military calls it, so must the Christian use certain tools of engagement which work as ways to be faithful to God's purposes in heaven. His will should be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So the faith of God always works against the devil's weapons of mass destruction. The faith of God is powerful, all-powerful, but it has to be activated by holy activity as revealed by James 2.26 in the King James Version. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now this spirit they're talking about is man's regenerated spirit. Amen. It's a small s. So activities of faith can either cause one to do or not do something. Things that we can do, that's a blessing, amen. But if we commit to things we shouldn't be doing and we're committing error, we have committed a sin of commission, right? And what if there's something we should be doing and we're not doing it? What is that? A sin of omission. We have omitted what we ought to be doing. Amen. So these are all activities. Some are of faith, some are not of holy faith. We could do or not do. Amen. Let's just remember now, re be remediated because we are going back to the basics. Let's be remediated about eight main activities that we can categorize as disciplines of doing or disciplines of engagement. Many Christians tend to omit or not do certain things that they should be doing in order to maintain their spiritual vigor. Uh, so there is always a need to counteract such tendencies. As the scripture is instructing us, we must realize that certain things in this life will weaken us, while other things will what? Strengthen us. In other words, fortify us. The eight main practical tools that fit in this category include, number one, study. Number two, worship. Number three, celebration. Number four, service. Number five is prayer. Number six is fellowship. Seven is confession. And eight, last but not least, submission. So we have study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, and submission. Amen. It is my pastoral hope that you will be encouraged to not only consider, but activate the power of the first tool associated with the disciplines of engagement, which is study. Study initiates our engagement processes. That's why we need to study. God has moved our church to form rabbi. 
which is Realm of Agape Bible Institute. Amen. And we're going through so that we could learn uh, and, and, and earn an associate degree uh, in biblical ministries. So we are studying. The realm is studying to show herself approved unto God. Amen. So this uh, methodology and process of discipleship uh, is going to fertilize our germinated seeds of faith. Feeding the seedlings to grow into maturity. People can reach spiritual maturity levels as they study, meditate on the word prayerfully. Amen. Um, so this studying is going to fertilize everything else. Study provides nutrients and will enable fruit production for our contributions of fellowship to others and to our God. You may have uh, already become familiar uh, with what God inspired the Apostle Paul to write in 2 Timothy 2:15 through 17. I'm going to read it from the New Century Version just for grammatical understanding. It says, make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will accept. Be a worker who is not ashamed and who uses the true teaching in the right way. Stay away from foolish, useless talk, because that will lead people further away from God. Their evil teaching will spread like a sickness inside the body. And these people were doing it. He named them Hymenius and Philetus are like that. Paul had to call them out. That's his apostolic uh, duty to, amen, reveal the cancer in the body. And if it's not going to be healed, it must be cut away, cast off. Amen. So here, the young pastor Timothy is being admonished by Paul, his mentor, to uh, be careful not to overindulge himself in etymological byways that deter, but to focus on the narrow road of discipline uh, where the hearers can draw closer to God, draw me near, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious, what, bleeding side, my God. People tend to follow the wrong theological studies and agendas of study. And uh, I am referring to the studies that cause that. Uh, they come from people who I might call cemeterians. In other words, I mean the spiritually dead or estranged, unsaved or maybe carnally influenced seminarians um, who often engross themselves in studies that make them sound like astute scholars. You know, they pontificate with great grandiloquence of the ecclesiastical rhetoric. But the Holy Ghost is screaming from the realm of glory saying, shut up and sit down. My God, I tell you that uh, these kind of folks are often heavy-headed and hollow-hearted. Uh, they want to impress others as though they know it all. This is a satanic disposition, though. Charles H. Spurgeon, great preacher in the past, said, quote, Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Amen. Spurgeon is referring to a faithful tenure of development as a loyal 
disciple of Christ. We have to be as a pillar of faith. Amen. It is of no consequence that God allowed men like him, so-called unlearned men, to preach profoundly, affecting mass repentance of those that heard them. Apparently, uh, these types of preachers uh, were not spoiled by the distracting agenda of collegiate superiority. Uh, we are not to waste our time with the display of grandiloquence, but we are to submit ourselves to the loving service of humbly submitting to the salvation of souls for God's kingdom, not the agenda of our own ecclesiastical subculture. Amen. Not our traditions of men. No, but for God's kingdom. You will see me push God's agenda and his name and the name he said to call this ministry, not push my name, my personality. Is it in the name of Anthony that everyone shall be healed and delivered and set free? I think not. It is by the name of Jesus. I don't want my face up there. No, Jesus's face is to be met. Amen. The souls have to uh, be led into an engagement and an encounter with God that they may be saved for real and not just tickled in the fancies uh, with rhetoric and uh, we're, but we're balancing um, with juggling in a sociological kind of guru fashion and swooing the crowds so that we could have them in the palm of our hand. Heard one preacher said that uh, he used to be a partner of Billy Graham. He said, I would preach and I would have them in the palm of my hand and I would take them to Jesus. He kept saying, I, I, I a whole lot. And one day in the pulpit in his own church, he closed the Bible and walked out and said, I'm not preaching anymore. I don't believe in God anymore. I tell you that he did not believe in the first place. He believed in power uh, that, that, that could be used sociologically speaking, intellectually speaking, and you could mess with people's emotions psychologically and swoo them into some kind of uh, way. But I tell you, the Holy Ghost power has to come in. And, uh, I can speak the words of men and angels, my God, but have not Jesus. I am what? Nothing. That's what it said in the book. Amen. But amen. I want as a pastor that, amen, we will find ourselves immersed in Holy Scripture as uh, the Holy Ghost reveals the truth of that Scripture. He's going to help us to not become a sickness in the body, but a blessing to the body. My God, uh, we don't want to be as those who uh, come to Jesus in the judgment and say, you know, I did this great thing and that great thing. And Jesus, you know what he's going to say. My God, anticlimactic against what they thought in their little weak testimony. He's going to say, depart from me. I know you not. You what? Worker of iniquity. My God. So it is of no consequences. These, these folks, they, they, they go into the so-called seminaries and they have been spoiled. They have been spoiled rotten. But amen. We need to make a, a great effort to study the way God would have us study. And God's going to help us to be fulfilled in his directives as we advance his kingdom. We want to be as these great preachers of the past as one C.H. Spurgeon. I'm going to read an excerpt from his biography and we are going to be almost done. But listen to this. This will help you. 
1852. Think back how long ago that was. Two years after his conversion, when Charles Haddon Spurgeon was 18 years old, so saved at what, 16? Now, two years later, uh, uh, 16 and 18 year olds back then are like close to like the 40 somethings in our day. My God. But he was 18 years old, seeking God's will for his life. He felt the need for theological training. Both his friends and his father advised him to attend college. So he made application to Regent's Park College. And an interview was set between the head of the college and young Spurgeon. The meeting was to be in Cambridge at the home of Mr. Macmillan. You may have heard that name. He's a publisher. He still has a company. My God. Uh, the Macmillan Company. My colleagues and I have had text, textbooks written by that company. My God. Uh, so Macmillan, this publisher, was a part of that college. Spurgeon rose early that morning and had special prayer, seeking God's guidance in the matter. Notice Spurgeon's testimony. Seeking who? God. Mm-hmm. Not just contemplating on what purpose his heart and emotions might have been tickled by, you know. And we began to raise our nose a little too high, like a tower of Babel. My God, we know what happened with that. But uh, at just the appointed time, um, Spurgeon showed up at McMillan's house. He wasn't late. He rang the bell. And a servant showed him into the parlor. And there he sat for two hours until at last his patience could stand it no longer. He called for the servant and was horrified to discover that she had forgotten to announce his arrival. And uh, had not let anyone know he was there and had forgotten all about him. Meanwhile, the head of the college had sat waiting in an adjoining room until his patience, too, had been exhausted. And he had left Cambridge for London by train without the interview ever having taken place. Spurgeon was deeply disturbed, and his first impulse was to run after the man, to chase him to London, to explain what had happened. But he took a long walk out in the country to calm down. And by and by, a verse of scripture came to his mind so forcibly that he almost seemed to hear it audibly. Jeremiah 45, 5. Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. The Lord seemed to be telling him not to worry about the misunderstanding, not to make extraordinary efforts to clear it up, but to take it as the Lord's will and serve the Lord humbly where he was. As a result, Spurgeon never did make it to college, you know, Bible college, but it didn't matter. 
He became the most powerful, successful, and fruitful minister in the history of Victorian England. And not only that, in the world of Christendom. And he later said that he, quote, a thousand times thanked the Lord very heartily for the strange providence which forced his steps into another and far better path, end quote. My God. You know, the scripture in Second Timothy is encouraging us to become understudies of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, in other words, we study to show ourselves what approved unto God. And as the King James Version states it, we become one who has submitted to the teachings of the only infallible rabbi or teacher, Jesus Christ. Uh, like Brother Spurgeon and other faithful servants like him, we too must become like our Messiah, the living word becoming living examples of his loving intentions. By doing this, we will live as God approves, becoming doers of the Heavenly Father's holy word and uh, not just someone who merely heard about him that has little, if any, interest in representing his truths. Is Jesus an it or a him? to you is he just an it a thing a fad my god or is he a him do you respect his deity his personality of deity for god has uh put himself in three persons there's a blessed trinity father son and holy ghost jesus is the son he was begotten not created amen in other words god made himself uh, have these personalities. It's a, it is as if he had a begotten son, came from him, right? Part of him is who he is. He's not some kind of thing that was created. No. So we got to go to Jesus like that. Jesus is God. We got to remember he's God. We look at the Jesus part and, you know, we want to uh, discredit the Christ part. I know people discredit the Christ part because there's light all around us in America. What do we do with the light, though? Lest we be reproved, we go away from the light. Uh, Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem, right? Grew up where? In Nazareth, but lived mostly in where? Capernaum. In Matthew, God speaks through Jesus because the letters were read. I know Jesus was saying it. He said, woe unto you, Chorazin, and some other nations. Uh, you know, he said, it would be worse for you than Sodom. And one of the cities he named that he did a lot of miracles in, raised a lot of dead, healed sick folk. My God, fed thousands and thousands of folk, walked on water and such. In Capernaum, a lot of light shone forth. But not many wanted to repent. God said it's going to be better for people we call savages who come in repentance like one Nineveh did. And, uh, God sent the evangelist in there, one Jonah. What isn't even the best one? God said, you come. Uh, he from the bench. He, uh, boy from the bench. Come on out there. Go on out there. 
he had some prejudices in him. My God, but God used them anyway. He loved a, a branch that brought shade to him more than thousands of souls. But God used them anyway. When he preached, the whole country got saved. My God, what did they do with the light? They made good of the light. What are we doing in America? We got light everywhere, just splashing all around. We don't even care about the light. We're not even getting saved. We got Bibles on every corner. Even the dollar store got Bibles. But what are we doing with the light? We splash light all around in church, shout amongst each other, and we give each other assignments. And, oh, we go and go on home and uh, we feel good about ourselves for a minute. And then we get back into our satanic toys. My God, but God is saying we got to come to the light so we could be reproved. Amen. And there has to be a what? Repentance. Just because you have light all around you don't mean nothing. Amen. You got to come to the light, but you got to do more than just come to the light. You got to submit, therefore, to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, but a lot of us are coming to God and we have this kind of polite uh, resistance. A kind of disposition wherein we are uh, showing forth almost the opposite of love. We have no feeling for God really at all. But we're going to make that thing pretty. We're going to make it a tolerable thing where it's okay because God is still working on me. And we have made a, a clause of some kind of a doctrine uh, a false prophetic doctrine. Uh, God still working on me. Be patient with me. God is still working on me. But this gives us an excuse to not submit, therefore, to God. We have to submit. When we submit, amen, we're going under. Uh, we're admitting things and we're going under so that we could, amen, humbly be accepted by God and, and then he could do what he came to do. We put ourselves as clay on the potter's wheel. Go ahead, Lord, do what you need to do. And we humbly submit to him and let him do what he needs to do. But people don't want to get on the, the potter's wheel, no. They go near the potter's wheel. They know about the potter's wheel. My grandmama and them told me about the potter's wheel. But are we going to, amen, hoist ourselves onto the potter's wheel in a submissive manner and allow the potter to do what the potter came to do? Are you going to become the understudy of Jesus? I hear the Holy Ghost talking right now. Ah, this question brings us to some other closing questions. How is the development of your biography, uh, in other words, your, your, your current life on earth before eternity in heaven comes along? How, how is your life coming along? How is your current biography coming along? Amen. Are you representing the intentions of God's heavenly will or his eternal purpose as modeled by Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you? Are you? Will history spew you out into outer darkness where eternal infamy and regret will seal your choice of destiny in the flames of unfaithfulness along with the company of Satan and his fallen angels? Will that happen? Or perhaps history will be a stepping stone that propels you forward into the light of safety where the faithful fame of Christ exalts his humble servants forever? Will that be your destiny? 
The difference between these two destiny choices shows forth the eternal gulf of separation one should consider when certain lifestyles are practiced. The events of time are the contents of an ever-increasing library of history with many volumes of examples to study. Uh, what has already happened in history can either be a good thing to follow or a good thing to avoid. And we know that some information is more easily avoided or eventually abandoned if it requires too much ongoing discipline on our part which is why so many churches have given up on the discipleship process. But God says for us to go, ye therefore, and teach all nations. That teaching is a mentorship, kind of walking alongside like the Holy Ghost, Paracletos, that he is helping folks to come out of their sin, showing them the everyday uh, mission and the ongoing eternal vision of what has to be encountered on earth, that God's will be done as, as it is also being done in heaven. We have to, in other words, become a disciple and then become disciple makers, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, not your ecclesiastical subcultural traditions. No, whatever God has commanded for us to teach them. Amen. Not from an adulterated word, but the unadulterated word. And the revelation has to come not because of your auspices to try to get to control folk. Stop using the Bible like it's some, some kind of incantation book where you can put a spell on folk to make them give the way you want them to give. Uh, make them live the way you would have them live. But I want to give the way God would have me give. I want to live the way God would have me live. I'm not going to put some kind of psychological philosophical guilt on you to make you do. I'm not some kind of witch. I'm not a warlock. I'm a man of God. And if the word of God can't put faith in you i'm gonna leave you alone i'm gonna shake the dust from my feet and wipe the blood from my hand and keep on keeping on anyhow hallelujah anyhow hallelujah, hallelujah. but you better remember this your very life is such a book that is being written in the library of history but who is your author my author and finishes jesus he's the great shepherd and bishop of my soul i'd like you to meet my bishop hallelujah will you study the word of god his heart properly will you live according to the eternal directives written by the lord hopefully hebrews 12 1 and 2 will be your scripture-based testimony in history that will lead you to a glorious eternity with christ amen this scripture reveals how God's discipline proves his love. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Going to say that again out of the mouth of two or three. Let every word be established. Let us throw what off, not kind of keep and save. No, throw off. God says in Proverbs, roll your way unto the Lord. That means like a bowling ball. You roll it down there and you forget about it. Don't go chasing it. It's like in the bathroom when you flush stuff. You don't go through the pipe to try to get it back, do you? No. Throw it off. 
everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God gives us marching orders. Fixing our eyes on ecclesiastical subcultural uh, jargon. Is it that? No. Or fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its, its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That shows forth his ministry to us. He endured that cross, came in t- and took the punishment that was ours, paid the price of it with his blood. There's a law in the realm of glory in heaven, the spiritual realm. Sin must be remitted with blood, my God, with life. You give your life to sin. Now you got to give your life to get out of sin. But if you give your life, you're not going to be able to live a holy and separated life in this present world. Somebody has to be a propitiation for our sins. His name is Jesus. He took our place. Now he becomes a bridge that leads back to God. And uh, he scorned the shame of sin. And now he is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God said we shall be joint heirs with Jesus. Let's place our affections there. Amen. Home is where your heart is. Is your heart where it belongs? In the hands of Jesus. Jesus won't obliterate your heart. Amen. He won't make you a victim. He'll make you a victor. God is my, amen, deliverer. God is my healer. Amen. He puts the right set of, amen, behaviors in my heart and mind. He has now curbed me, helped my taste to change. And if something bitter from sin comes in, I don't sit and enjoy it and sopping it up. Amen. No. I'm going to, amen, now become saddened in my encounter with it. And uh, amen, I'm going to, amen, now have a godly sorrow that what leads me to turn away from sin and turn myself back to God. Amen. And, and God will, amen, hear my prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Incline thine ear unto us and grant us thy peace. If you regard iniquity in your heart, though, the Lord will not hear you. You got to disregard it. We're on this earth. We're going to stumble on it again and again. You know why? Because the devil can trick you back in and trigger you back on in. And there's a rut in sociology and psychology in your emotions and how you were wired. And you got, amen, a little hurt here and there in the past and become a victim to certain uh, and privy to certain sins. And the devil knows how to trigger things. But God will help you to be proactive in your life. God's going to help you, amen, to avoid the hidden snares. God's going to help you to walk and not be weary. Run and make progress and not give up. God can do it. Let him be your healer. Let him be your deliverer. Let him set you free from sin. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray you count us worthy. Hallelujah, God, to become your son, to become your daughter. Help us, Lord, as we seek your face to turn from our wicked ways and to turn to you. 
We want deep, amen, eternal satisfaction that can only come through you. That is what we have on the inside. The need to be satisfied. The need to be heard. The need to belong. The need to count for something. Lord, let it be found in you. We know you're able. You're going to fill every valley and void in our persona. We thank you, Lord. Anything crooked in me, straighten it out. If something makes me too high-minded, tear it down. I need you. Help me to not be idolatrous in the core of my being. If something needs to be straightened out, straighten it out, Lord, as only you can. Hallelujah. I will make the crooked straight. Hallelujah. And I'm going to make the darkness light. I thank you, Lord, for that blessing and that power and the privilege that is ever before us. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, find me yet seeking your face, being a disciple in Jesus' matchless name. Thank God. Hallelujah. I hope you prayed. I pray along with me as the Holy Ghost led you. Now, I pray God will help you with your specifics of everything uh, that easily besets you. The, the Holy Ghost is going after the easily beset things right here and right now. The little weapons that the, the devil uses uh, to trip you up, to, 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 to trigger you back in, to trigger you to think about this and that. And the stuff that's not virtuous, that's not holy, that's not, you know, not, not praiseworthy. Oh, my God. God's coming after it right here and right now. Let him get it. Give it over to him. Let him take it away. Take it away, Lord. Let's put out the trash right here and right now. The altar is where you put the trash out. We're going to put the trash out. Hallelujah. I thank God for them little doggy bags where you could pick up your dog when he make a mess and, and then you, you tie it up. Amen. It seemed like it's going to hold and seal that stuff in. But, you know, sin seeps out and you might put that stuff in one garbage can in your house somewhere. But after a while, you're going to walk by and you're going to get a whiff of something. And I, I got a little whiff of something. Little puppy Pippin. He had a little. Amen. His tail was in the garbage. My God. Not the wagon tail. Ah, <laughs> oh, my God. I said, something's not here. Something in here not right. Amen. It was all tied up and it was in the bag, but it seeped out. We may try to hide sin. We may have a secret sin. Oh, but the, the, the stench of it is going to come forth in a minute. And, and God needs to reveal that truth to you first and foremost. The first one that smelled the funk should be you. But there's a such thing in psychology as a threshold. You could get used to stuff. But now you're going to need a stronger dose of it just to know that it is there. Ah, oh, you funky undar need to get funkier before you know you are funky. My God. But sin could be something that you tolerate. And, and sometimes the devil's going to make you want more. And then folks are going to be able to tell, whoa, what happened to her? What happened to him? You're going to know. You're going to feel guilt, but the devil will make you numb to guilt. Oh, he's going to try to numbify you. Put some kind of demonic Novocaine all up in your spiritual mind so that you are not harmed. Oh, you're going to go on ahead and not feel any godly sorrow. You're going to go ahead on and get deeper and deeper into sin. My God. But the, the, the Lord, the deliverer us right here, right now. Give him that secret sin. You know what it is. And call it out in the spirit, in your mind, in the name of Jesus. Pray in your heart right here, right now. Oh, give that secret sin. The way you think, things you think about, things you tolerate. Oh, it's, it, it seems okay, but then it grows into something else. And the longer you hear it and hear it and look at it, and, and oh, you begin to meditate on it. It begins to be a meditation. Oh, it's a secret thing, but it, it's got a stench. Sin is a reproach. 
It, it's a stench in God's nostrils. Oh, are we emanating in the house of God? A stench. Oh, we hold up so-called holy hands and we yell out holy words. But 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 it's the constitution of our the core of our being. Is it free from secret things that don't belong to God, that, that will not submit, therefore, to God? Oh, I want it, oh, God, clean on the inside. God is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, amen, restore you. Amen. I'm going to, amen, purify the sons and daughters of Levi, you know, who we are. We are worshipers of the Most High God. We are the sons and daughters of Levi. God, purify us, Lord God. As you took the silver, the silversmith, he had to purify it. Oh, God, purify Get all the stuff that shouldn't be in there out of there. God takes the gold. Amen. The goldsmith comes in and he he, he t- takes the dross out of the, the, the nasty little stuff that, amen, that shouldn't be in there. And it burns. The gold gets better and the stuff that shouldn't be there flows to the top and we scrape it right on off. God needs to scrape off the dirty stuff. Purify me. Purge me with hyssop, I pray. Oh, God, I plead the blood right here and right now. Deliver me from way down in. And Lord God, let me not manage my sin anymore. I'm going to know that the devil is talking to my unsaved heart. Well, Lord, you gave me a brand new heart, a brand new mind. Yeah, I'm going to put tape on, on on that other self, the old man. I don't want anything to do with the old man anymore. I'm going to help and bless and nourish, foster, build up the new man. Help me, Lord, to meditate on scripture prayerfully in the name of Jesus the way I ought to. Help me to refrain from things that are not like you, not decent, not orderly, not virtuous is not worthy of praise help me to think on the things that are holy you're able in the name of jesus so that the inner core of our being will become a sanctified purified sanctuary i thank you lord in the name of jesus you're able hallelujah god hallelujah you desire to abide in the praises of your people so we lift our hands And we lift our hearts as we offer up this praise unto your name. The praise is our life, Lord, not just a song. Hallelujah. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.